Welcome back to another episode of Money for Nothing. I'm Saxon Baird, and I'm with Sam Becker, as always. And we are the podcast about music and capitalism. And today, we're going to dive into... We're going to dabble a little bit in copyright. We're going to dabble a little bit into royalties. But we're going to dabble a whole lot into the Music Modernization Act. And how much of a kind of a big fucking deal this whole thing is. And how weird it is that so few people have have covered it, particularly in the music journalism world. But uh, yeah, I, I think that we we probably wanted to start off with this because Kanye's been tweeting again. And uh, I, I've been texting you nonstop about how much it relates to uh, this little podcast that we do here and all kind of the good things that he's been, he's been, the good, the pie in the sky, the you know the the ideas that he's been tweeting and actually kind of kind of digging them i kind of kind of thinking there's some like good shit in the in those tweets and that uh people want to write off kanye as just being a crazy man and yes maybe he is crazy man but he's actually you know he's got some he's got some good ideas that he's been laying down particularly this last sunday it's true i was away i was out of town for like a very exciting two days and i put my phone down which is the biggest luxury you possibly can. And I pick up my phone and I just have like 45 Saxon tweets about, sorry, Saxon texts about Kanye tweets. And I'm like, okay, the internet's back. <laughs> yeah, the internet is back. It felt very much like, like uh, yeah, I, you know, I stumbled upon something that was very relatable to like the things that we've talked about, but maybe talked about like directly. So for example, well, he like- He also Con- like tweeted- he tweeted his entire contracts, right? <laughs> yeah, the, so the contracts is a whole other thing. You know, and like, you know, debating about like how helpful that is and like basically he was just trying to showcase that like, you know, music contracts for artists are bullshit, even if Kanye tends to have like kind of the best contracts in the music biz, but nonetheless his like greater point is is uh, is taken. And I actually think that what he was actually tweeting like this weekend is like almost like a little bit more salient, you know, cuz he's like talking about you know, wanting artists to own copyright in the recordings and songs and like leasing them to the record labels and like, you know, for like a one year deal, you know, before they get them back or like kind of making the split between like artists and record label like 80 20 in the artist's favor and just like things like that. I'm like, yeah, this is really great. I mean, <laughs> probably won't ever happen, but I think it speaks to a lot that we talk about with just like how much, you know, for the last what, like, you know, since the beginning of record labels. How many of them are basically like been fucking over artists and how often artists get a raw deal. But like to really get into the sort of like how the sausage is made with that thing with 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 this stuff, it's like it can be it can be a little complex. And I think that oftentimes it's complex. Yeah. I think oftentimes <laughs> like people get really like, I mean, either bored or like, you know, it's just it's confusing. You know, like what's a master, you know, and like what does copyright mean? And like what's a mechanical license and what's like a performative license and like, you know, things like, you know, it's all very, very fucking confusing. And, you know, I don't know. I thought that like a lot of the stuff that Kanye was laying out was was actually, you know, stuff that uh, we try to break down here on uh, Money for Nothing. No, no. Uh, Kanye, get come on the pod, Kanye. No, but but it, it is it is true. I, I really did think it was I mean, one of the, the coolest things about it and we can kind of go through what t- Kanye was talking about um in a little bit more detail, but basically what's, what's crazy, the craziest thing about what Kanye was saying was how far away it is from reality and how reasonable it seems when you put it on paper. Like what Kanye is saying is, is never going to happen. But when you write it down, it seems so reasonable that 
it's crazy that it's not happening already. So, so for, first off, Kanye, the, correct me if I'm wrong, I think you're more in the Kanyeology of these tweets. Um, but Kanye is, sounds like Kanye is in a battle for his masters. From uh, Universal Music Group, right? Well, he's in a battle for his masters and also apparently in a battle for Taylor Swift's masters. But uh, before we get into that, let's, what's a master? I think that's something we just like, you know, like, uh, I think that's a lot of people are like confused about. I'm assuming a lot a of battle people... for all of our masters. Yeah, no, no, but no, in a way, in a way it is. It is. I think he actually is like actually trying like, you know, despite how good his contracts are and how, oh, he's so crazy, whatever. Like, no, actually, I think he's he's kind of he's utilizing his power to like basically fight. For, for something that would could possibly help even the little man. But yeah, so like what what's a master? What's he fighting for? A master is the recording. It's it's and again, we've talked about this before. It's confusing because there are masters and there's masters. Uh like you can when you remaster a record, that's got nothing to do with these masters except in a yeah, very that's tangential about, sense. That's sound quality. Yeah, that's about sound quality. Yeah, that's sound quality. So basically, quality. yeah. Um, We're not talking SoundCloud. Saxon is blowing up on SoundCloud, and he is this like budding SoundCloud rapper, and he gets signed by Warner Music Group, and they put him into a studio. Uh, Lil Lil Pump is executive producing. Um, they spend five hundred thousand dollars on the record. And as a result of the fact that Warner is setting up these recordings, they have what is known as the master. They own the master, the master copyright. And in the contract you would sign with them, Saxon, you would give them control of the master. And the master is the rights to the recording, the perform, the recording of whatever song you are performing, right? So any piece of music has two kinds of copyrights, songwriting rights and recording rights. We're talking about right here, what Kanye's talking about is the recording rights, right? So if they own your masters. So wait, this is my song. I wrote it. I wrote it. I recorded it. Yeah, sure. You know, I got like funding from the label and like, you know, you know, I had like a big, you know, big producers and everything on. But I mean, I basically wrote it. I'm a part of it and I don't have control over it. Right. So you would have control if you wrote that song and then recorded it in the contract with Warners, you would have songwriting rights to that song probably split with a publishing company and then you would also have you would sorry you would not have any rights to the master recording and that is what kanye has and when he tweets these contracts he signed a contract with rockefeller and rockefeller owns completely with no and this is the key thing this is kanye before college dropout before jesus walks before Gold Digger, before anything, having, I mean, produced the best songs in the blueprint, but like before any proven success as a solo artist, signs away the complete and total rights in perpetuity. So no matter what happens, he has no legal recourse to ever get control over those recordings ever again. And that is industry standard. But like, Let's like how does it relate to say like making money and like royalties and like copyright and like things like that? Like how you know, how does that also play a role into all of this? That that's why, right? The fact that the label owns the masters is why royalties work the way they do. 
So the thing is, is that if Kanye owned his masters, he could get not 18% of college dropout. He could get, you know, kind of like what he's proposing, 80% of the profits that because of the very unequal conditions of the music industry, uh, the very unequal power relations between young artists earlier in their career and these labels that are still, right, still absolutely indispensable gatekeepers for large-scale success. Basically because they're in the door barring you, they're able to kind of exact a toll. Now, from their perspective, they could say, we spend a lot of money on a lot of different rappers. Some of them are... Kanye, some of them are the cool kids, like, clearly we didn't make an equal amount of money from those two groups, they'll say, like, well, we take risks, A&R is real, like, we deserve a bigger cut, and that is probably true, but also, a lot of what they're doing is just standing in the way and demanding a payment, and, and there's no necessary way, and this is one of the most amazing things that he says, and shout out to some very good music journalism that we can link to, to that kind of uh, explains this in, in greater detail, is one of his accusations is that they don't want to put a price on his masters because they're worried that he will be able to buy them. Well, and also it probably set a precedent. Well, yeah, it would set a precedent, but also it would like... Um, creating a market. It create a market for them. Also, assets are often more valuable and kind of like intangible form you know and i believe umg is about to go on the market is about to be sold off for a huge amount of money and you don't want to like the sum is greater than the whole of its parts right and so you don't want to be like kanye's masters this much you want to say we have a collection of extraordinary artists and that's why we're worth a trillion dollars or whatever they're the they're expected to be worth right exactly yeah well okay so another thing that kanye was like tweeting about in this list he had like a whole he had an actual list a numbered list was portals and that leads to our kind of main topic i feel like that we've been like sussing through and texting each other back and forth and reading numerous articles online and elsewhere with like deep cut music websites like digitalmusicnews.com which i don't think many like casual music fans listen to but has like a ton of information shout out to their their research and all their writing but uh yeah why why are portals such an important aspect of what we're talking about and 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 and, uh how does it lead to this music modernization act of 2018 that i mentioned at the top of the show so basically kanye quite rightly wants his data and by that we mean like how many people are fucking streaming his songs yeah the music industry is from from the get-go notoriously unwilling to share this information i actually (laughs) i found a in my research found this long involved story like a newspaper short story about a young songwriter who like never gets much money from his music publisher until he um, until he begins to court the secretary who like keeps the records, <laughs> <laughs> and then after seducing, falling in love with the secretary who's like a tough New York gal, um, she turns on the publisher 
and they get married and he demands like fifteen thousand dollars in royalties. Wow. And oh wow, so the pub- the publisher actually was withholding money. Oh yeah. These these yeah. records are impossible to figure out. Notoriously difficult on purpose. And that was a newspaper story. Yeah, and definitely what records you mean sales, streams, like listenership, that yeah. Thing. And and it's always been true. Back in the day, they you know stores would be allowed to return records, so it was difficult to figure out how many records were sent out and how many records were actually sold. And anyway, I brought bring up this story just to say that that was in 1910 that story was published. <laughs> Oh, way to bury the lead there. I like that. All right. <laughs> and it's 110 years later. It's still happening. And it's the same shit. And there's even less excuse now because we have all this wonderful technology that's tracking everything. Our footsteps, our heartbeats. And so we sure as hell know we know how many songs are those being played on Spotify. And Spotify knows as well. So, so Kanye is asking for a portal to have clear song data. And and that kind of leads to the question of of streaming data and streaming rights in general. Um and that makes up the centerpiece of the Music Modernization Act, which is a really it's like the biggest deal to happen in music law in a really long time. And it got like a little bit of attention, like but like, yeah, so little attention for how much how big of a deal it is. I mean, it, it, so yeah, the act like passed unanimously in Congress, which you know in today's political climate seems impossible. Uh, you know, and the act was instituted to solve, you know, supposedly these problems and streamline royalties for artists, among other things. And uh, and you got and you know it, it's it, it's got very very little very little coverage and and and. Uh, it, it, since it was passed in 2018, it's gotten it's uh there's been some mirrored in some controversy and and uh, some criticism, but not enough in our opinion, maybe. Yeah, so we're trying we're out here trying to mire the Music Modernization Act in some controversy. So the reason it didn't get very much attention, I think, is because there's not a clear angle. Right. It's extremely confusing. It's extremely long, and it had buy-in and agreement from everyone in the music industry, or most of the major powers in the music industry, not everyone. And so actually, it was sort of written about, when it was written about at all, in this sort of like air of triumph. Like, look, the music industry, Congress, getting its shit together, passing new legislation that will fix longstanding problems, like, isn't this great? And some of the stuff the bill does is good. Some of the stuff the bill does is fine. And some of the stuff the bill does needs to be implemented. And as always, the devil is very much in the detail. So this act is actually, (laughs) because nothing is fucking simple ever. This act is three acts. One is a small change in laws that allow producers to get paid more easily, more power to producers. One is a small change, or really a a not-so-small change in pre-1972 copyrights that both makes it easier for them to be streamed and also 
fixes copyright issues about very early sound recordings, basically to make it possible for archivists to do their jobs without worrying about getting sued by Warner Brothers. <laughs> and then the kind of the big kahuna here is the Music Modernization Act itself. What the Music Modernization Act tries to do is fix the problems, really to create a portal to fix how songwriters get paid from internet streaming. Yeah, yeah, the TLDR is basically like there was this whole bureaucratic process to 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 like distribute royalties like for and like this basically streamlines it. And that portal is the Mechanical License Collective, also known as the MLC, which is probably the way that we'll be referring to it for the rest of this show. And there's a website and everything that you can go look at and read all the FAQ and everything. And this is the portal for which I guess they want all artists now to go into to like see their numbers and to claim unclaimed royalties. But that gets a little complicated. But anyways, go, keep going. Keep going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, no, it gets incredibly complicated. And, like, I hope to do a further episode about how this sausage got made. Because reading through some of the trade press and seeing some of the insane shit that various parties seemed to be trying to do over the course of this act. Like, at one point, they were trying to fundamentally change how every radio station in America would function. And that part got shut down. And a lot there was there's a lot of crazy horse trading behind this bill. But basically, basically, right now, it is not that easy for a streaming music service to get the kind the various kinds of rights necessary to legally make music streamable. Because like we mentioned earlier, you need two kinds of rights, right? You need someone who has access to the master recording, and you need someone who has access to the various bundle of songwriting copies. So, so what, is, what happens? So if Spotify wants to like, you know, be able to stream Kanye, like, what, what do they do? So on one side, they talk to Kanye's record label, who has his masters, we know. It was Rockefeller. It is now... I guess, Universal Music Group, which bought Rockefeller. And then the other, it's the various songwriters who have, and publishing companies that have rights to that Kanye song. And it seems, listening to the press, um, or sorry, and it seems, doing some research on this, that previously to this act, there were two major models for this, right? Shout out to a really great episode of... uh, the Verge's podcast where they go really in depth into this with a music industry lawyer. So basically it, you could kind of do the, the be really careful way, which means you have to individually license every song, which is impossible. Or you do like the bullshit tech bro break shit and apologize later way where you just throw it all online and wait to get sued. Right. And that's what Spotify did. Yeah, Spotify, Spotify just yeah. threw everything online and waited to get sued. Waited to get sued. And and then they did get sued. And not for a little bit of money, but for $1.8 billion. Because it turns out that they just weren't paying people for their music. Right. Like, yeah. 
Spotify has massive amounts of Wall Street money coursing through their supercharged veins, and they don't think that the rules apply to them. None of these tech companies do. And so, like, sure, put the fear of God into them a little bit. Like, get it. (laughs) And now is time, I think, that we talk about the black box. So, as Saxon said, the streaming services are ponying up money to the tune of, like, $60 million to... Yeah, $68 million to be exact. (laughs) (laughs) Never say that we're not exact. $68 million for the first year to set up this complex board, which has not yet really done anything public-facing, which we'll get back to in a minute. But the thing about the MLC, as you can imagine, is that they're trying to collect data on every single music copyright out there, right? So that they can correctly, when there's a song on a streaming service, they can pay things out. Now, previously, the reason that the MLC was created in the first place as big push is because there are these huge multi-million, billion-dollar lawsuits saying Spotify is not finding the songwriters and is just being like, oh, we're holding on to the money. Oops, it went back into our pockets. And the MLC is designed to fix that. But the MLC still has what's called the black box. And that is any songwriting any songwriting monies that should go to a copyright, an unclaimed copyright. That's one that the MLC does not have a rights holder coming in and saying, this is our copyright. Um, They put all of that money into a black box. And there's a widely varying uh, estimations of how much money that is. That's anywhere from like in the tens of millions of dollars to over a billion dollars a year, it's really unclear how much money is going unclaimed in copyrights. And that money is kind of just going to sit in that black box for, I believe it's three years, and then it's going to be redistributed to existing copyright holders that the MLC does know about based on their market share. And that's, well, the, the, money, the, the, money, the money that goes unclaimed after three years, because so, I'm assuming some of it will be claimed. Yeah, yeah, the money that goes unclaimed after three years come will, will leave the black box and be redistributed. And this is like, <laughs> I don't understand the justification for this. It's insane, dude. It's insane. So you are, I don't know, a West, a, a Nigerian funk rock pioneer. <laughs> you died in 1980. Your heirs, you know, your heirs technically have your copyrights, but you know, it entered some sort of legal rights hell, and then it got reissued on a trendy album, and now it's on uh, Spotify's, like, Afro-funk rock stream uh, playlist. (laughs) Mood playlist, right? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, Afro-funk rock mood playlist. (laughs) And you have Cross-Atlantic grooves. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's Black Atlantic. No, those are Black Atlantic groups. Black Atlantic. Right, right. So, you've got three years from the passage of this law in the U.S. to claim your copyrights, or it's distributed by market share. By market share, dude. That means that the big publishing firms will get a bigger cut of that money, even though 
because they're big publishing firms, there's no way they didn't have their stuff locked down. Like, they're not losing money to the black box, the biggest publishing firms. But they're still going to get a bigger cut. And I don't, like, this is just one of the things that befuddles me. I just feel like there's so many, like, and all the money in the black box goes to music education. All the money in the black box goes to supporting cross-national touring artists. Yeah, like, all the money in the black box goes to, you know, as a bailout fund for all the venues that we lost during, like, the pandemic or something. Or, you know, as, like, a, you know, starter money for, you know, rebuilding, you know, medium-sized cities and, like, the music venues that exist or performing arts centers or, like, whatever. You know, that the, the normal sort of, like, government thing that we've probably seen. You know that in the last you know, that gets corrupted as well, but that, you know we've at least seen for the last I don't know like fifty to hundred years. But no, 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 no. It so so basically what you're telling me. Okay, so well, let me break this down because I'm trying to understand this right, and like it's complicated, and everybody listening, it's complicated. So you have now the MLC, which streamlines the ability for you to get streaming royalties, and but that collective, which is supposed to be this like nonpartisan government funded or no sorry government this like nonpartisan independent like government directed nonprofit middleman clearinghouse the people that work for them and the way that this this collective works it's all being funded by the spotify's and then they're setting up rules in which all the money that goes all the all the money that all the royalties that go unclaimed after a certain amount of time go back to the market market share which is basically the big publishers are going to get the huge chunk of that huh this sounds a little this sounds a little screwy it sounds like this is to the advantage of streaming services and big labels but wait we forgot to mention that also tied into this law is that now the streaming services can't be sued over royalties? Yeah. Well, <laughs> tell, tell me about this. <laughs> that is that is correct. So basically, my understanding is that because these, these responsibilities have been put onto the MLC, not only is or will in the future the streaming services not be responsible for these lawsuits. But I, I think it even is supposed to indemnify them against um, past lawsuits as well. And actually... Yeah, it provides immunity for prosecution for, to the collective if they screw up again in distributing, in distributing royalties. Which, like, let's be he clear here. They are planning to do. And that's where, yeah, you don't know exactly because, and if you think about it, like who's gonna whistleblow on them? No one inside the MLC because why? Because who's paying their paychecks? The fucking streaming services. <laughs> well, more than that, I mean, like a very cynical take on all this, right? So let, let's just, you know, th this this indemnity. There's some big lawsuits thrown at the, the the streaming services because really what they've done has been unacceptable, right? They've built extraordinarily valuable businesses off of copyright infringements and like not just the cost of the music that they stole but like part of the profits they built off that music when I mean, we were talking uh yesterday and i was kind of like 
I'm trying to trying to think of an example, and it's like if I start a business, a shoe store, and initially all my shoes are stolen, and eventually I start paying for my shoes, but still some of the shoes are stolen. I'm a criminal. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a mob shit. <laughs> Spotify. I'm an entrepreneur. And who? And you know, there's also all all kinds of other complicated ways in which you know, you know. And I know this is a cynical take, but the way the MLC could make it difficult for artists to actually even claim these royalties, even though this is like the all-in-one, all-encompassing clearinghouse, and there's a website and everything, create create a profile and everything, because. I've I've already read you know certain uh, in my research I was reading things about like some of the forms in which these artists have to fill out and like how confusing they are and like how easily the this you know the slightest mistake could cause an artist to miss out on those royalties which is actually something that we that has happened before in regards to uh, HFA or the Harry Fox Agency which has also been was also mirrored in major legal issues as well about not distributing royalties properly and from my understanding the mlc would be getting all of its streaming stats from the harry fox agency the hfa which is um yeah maybe you can explain who they are a little bit so more clear the hfa is a long-standing company i mean roots in the 20s where they're they are collecting mechanical royalties so this is i believe it was originally created and this is the crazy thing about the music industry is that like the past is always present like harry fox is created in the 20s in order to collect money from the talkies when films first get music and there are musicals uh the harry fox agency is created by the songwriting firms by the publishing firms in order to create collect money from Hollywood theaters, right? So fast forward like a hundred years later, and they're like collecting money for like streaming services. But infor- but then now there's also been like all these legal battles that I I reference about how there the HFA was massively underpaying artists for royalties or mismatching those royalties, or as some accuse, like in particular David Lowry, uh, who was on the MLC. Uh, bored for a minute and quit he was also i guess the singer of cracker remember that 90s band or early 2000s band and he's been and and like his accusations against the hfa for all the things that i just mentioned kind of in a way like led to the passage of this music modernization act which led to the mlc and yet here we are we're seeing the hfa coming right back into the fold so there's already a problem from the jump so let's just explain that for a second so basically, the Harry Fox agency was hired by Spotify to tell songwriters that their music was going to be licensed for streaming and then to pay them. And the Harry Fox agency did, allegedly, a very poor job with this. So allegedly that multiple cases have been settled out of court with Spotify paying out large amounts of money because songwriters allegedly did not receive proper payouts. This kerfluffle was so problematic and this kind of like the the streaming service deck of cards starts to shake. And remember, right, that 
We're talking, and this is where you kind of have to wrap your head around it at another level. We're talking about the streaming services and the record industry like they're different things. But at this point, they aren't really, right? The streaming services are the distribution arm of the record industry, the same way that uh, record stores used to be. In fact, when a lot of stuff is going down, in or the record industry, the three major labels, own together something like 10 or 15% of Spotify before it goes public, which are shares, which are parts of Spotify that they get in exchange for agreeing to license their masters to Spotify. So right. if Spotify... Their, their, their masters, which we should also just as going back to earlier, their masters, which of course make up artists and their recordings and the songs they wrote which they do not have any control over though bizarrely enough when the three major labels cashed out they did pay part of that money to the artists shockingly i was shocked the artists got anything so 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 anyway right so as far as we could tell right what happens is these lawsuits start building up and spotify looks a little shaky on legal ground and it's like HFA looks really bad. And HFA looks really bad. And the whole situation is a mess. But the music industry can't let Spotify go down in flames because they rely on this thing. And certainly they like Spotify more than they liked Apple Music or more than they like Amazon Music because Spotify really relies on the music industry. They have leverage over Spotify or in relationship to Spotify in a way that like Amazon's like, I don't care about you at all. <laughs> I mean, they make a lot of money off them, but like Amazon is in no way dependent on the music industry and Spotify, like Joe Rogan aside, is. So so that's where you start getting the political coalition that can get this thing across the finish line, right? Right. The music industry... The record companies don't want Spotify to go under. They need a solution. So what happens, right? This uh, is a big push. And if fascinatingly, it comes from a senator from Tennessee, Orrin Hatch, right? Because Nashville, where the publishing is, is concerned about this. Also, Kamala Harris. <laughs> right. So let's be clear. Like, So you got, you got these issues with the Harry Fox Agency, the HFA. Spotify is looking bad. Royalties aren't getting paid. Okay, we need to clean this shit up. All right. You know, like streaming has been going on for long enough now. It's part of like the way people listen to music now. Like, and the laws that are written to distribute royalties and the ways in which like royalties are distributed in regards to streaming are, are based off of laws before streaming even existed, before the internet even was, was a public, was a, was a public before the internet was even available to the public. And so they create this law, and what do they do? Bring the HFA right back into it. <laughs> and then say, hey, Spotify, you're paying for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the MLC, to, get, to, make, it, to, to, make, to make this very clear, because I don't know if we laid this out, right? The MLC, in a no-bid contract, gives the Harry Fox agency the right to yeah to basically collect a lot of the data and do a lot of things it was doing previously for Spotify like be in charge of a lot of the payouts which is the thing it did so comically badly that it created the entire scandal that propelled the passage of the act in the first place 
Yeah, it's it's wild. Which, it's like it's like mob shit. It's like you know, it's like it's like if you were like gonna like create a law to fight like racketeering, and then like you know, you were having like somebody who was directly like related or part of the mob like head up the agency to like fight racketeering. It's like it's absurd. It's absolutely absurd. So I mean, the other thing that along with like this like base level cynicism that both Saxon and I share about like on paper this actually does would make a difference right on paper right now it, it can be very difficult for smaller songwriters to get accurate or to get payouts from these streaming services it'll get mired in whatever you know having to rely on the harry fox agency which i guess you'll have to do anyway but at least now it's got like government responsibilities which i guess is better um or having to connect with the companies specifically, it was a nightmare. And so ideally, ideally, this would make at least certain kinds of payments easier and simpler and more timely. If <laughs> the goddamn thing works. And that's kind of one of the real reasons why we decided to do this episode. Is because a lot of this stuff is going into effect in January. And as of right now, what they're doing makes like healthcare.gov look easy. To make this work, they need a accurate tallying. Because as soon as the law goes into effect, Spotify no longer pays out directly to artists or through the Harry Fox agency. Spotify pays out to the MLC. And the MLC requires a full database of all these copyrights and if they don't have the system right or if people are slow in getting to it getting them the information or if they send the information in the wrong way and forgetting the fact that like requiring songwriters to send in all their information is a ton of labor that is going to create this intensely valuable database that it seems <laughs> like us it's unclear who owns Whoa. that database um also also yeah oh yeah who owns the database and that information which is extremely valuable which is a whole other topic but also like there's a time limit on when to get when they when they need to receive that information yeah so the thing is that there's all this stuff that's going to go into effect really soon and it's not clear if they have a database that works and it's not clear how they're going to do this massive public information campaign to get all the songwriters and there's a possibility that like the system will just grind to a total standstill like and people will just stop getting paid, right? Right, which is like which is For like worst case scenario, an indeterminate amount of time. Even if it does work, there's so many. It's set up in a way which just is gonna bring us right back to square one, or is like ripe for corruption. And it's not only like ripe for corruption, but like to to mention it again, is like providing immunity for the persecu- for the prosecution of 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 these streaming services should they like somehow screw up the information in which they're passing on and there's actually a lawsuit that's currently working its way through the courts from m&m's publishers um not m&m but the publishing company that owns the songwriting for several m&m's first couple albums specifically based around the song lose yourself because basically this is insane Spotify said that they couldn't find the rights holder for Lose Yourself. <laughs> what? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. By the way, they're called Eight Mile, like Eight Mile Productions, the publishing company. Like, as a, a one one article I read pointed out, like they are named after the movie that the massive hit song is from. Jesus, Jesus, wow. And they couldn't find it. They right, just kept right, it in a box. Right. Okay. And so Eminem is suing them. They're saying that they have legal protection because of Music Modernization Act stuff. And Eminem is saying it is unconst- that this kind of legal liability is unconstitutional. And apparently there's a chance it could go to the Supreme Court. Okay, well, like, let, let's, like, let's like, try to wrap this up because there's so many different directions we go. And there's a few things I want to go ahead and touch on. But like, first, like, like, we're being pretty cynical and, distrust- and, and, and rightfully distrustful of this thing happening. But the intention of the MLC if it was carried out in the way that, you know, uh, the, the law required, they're yeah. like required. Uh, and you know, who knows, might, who knows, uh, would help artists though. Would it help most artists? Okay. So this is where we go. I think it's useful to go out to like 10,000 feet for a second. Right. Yeah, let's do it. We're taking a plane and ride. And think about like, yeah, let's take the plane ride and let's think about like, what this law does, what this law doesn't do, and like what this law um, tells us about the music industry and about music as a commodity, right? Right. So, for one thing, the law helps songwriters get their payouts, and that's good. Right. If Spotify <laughs> isn't streamlines it, makes it a little easier. Yeah. If 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 no, and and maybe makes it possible, right? Like, there's right, a bunch right. of streaming services out there. Let's say each of them owes you five hundred bucks. It's possible there's like a new one. It's similar to podcasts if you think about it, right? Like, there's a bunch of weird little streaming services out there, uh, similar to the way that there's a bunch of different like podcast distribution systems. Podcasts are free, so. We don't have to worry about like getting paid by Podomatic or whatever. But imagine you're a songwriter and music isn't free and this is your living. Previously, you'd have to like track down like 17 different outlets and make sure that they all paid you and make sure that you're because something lapsed or because like an error was made wrong or because your name had two spaces rather than one space or didn't have a middle initial. You just like, oh, Pandora doesn't pay me anymore. You know what I mean? So like by the fact that this will be streamlined, yeah, that's really great. Right, right, right. And again, as 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 a historian, the, the, the part of the act is called like the Classics Act that will allow various sets of extremely old musical recordings to pass into uh public domain is fabulous that's really good okay okay but now we're, we're still we're still we're, this is we're, but th- so that's and that's a different part of okay, but, okay so, okay. so, we're, we're, so, so the, we're at we're still at ten thousand feet though the clouds yeah, yeah. of the so clouds have the cleared what else do you see though about this 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 whole the way this whole thing has gone down what's the big what's a bigger picture like like view of this thing so, I've been thinking about this a lot, right? And for one, it's just crazy to see the structures of the music industry get worked out at a legal level like this. Because I don't know 
what kind of like free market Kool-Aid you may or may not be drinking, but a world in which a semi-public government agency funded by streaming companies that are partially owned by the record industry creates a, you know, um, and on and on and on, creates a... Uh, uh, a secretive body to organize the copyrights that hires an agency that's owned by Blackstone, by the oh, way. Thank you. I was going to bring that in. Long standing ties to these music publishers, and that all of those are then going to set the basic structures by which every songwriter is going to get paid out and reshape in a lot of complicated ways you're not getting in we're not getting into here how the various kinds of all fairly rates, done right like with no corruption all fairly done with no corruption and how like the rates are going to be set but it doesn't it's not even about corruption or not corruption it's just a reminder that there is no such thing as a free market markets are constructed and what we're seeing here is the legal construction of the streaming marketplace for what I would guess to be yep. the next 50 years. This took years yeah. and years of talking, years and years of work. It required all kinds of crazy horse trading. So like there's bits and pieces we're not talking about here, but basically everyone got something they wanted. And like, yes, at one level, that is how you do legislation. That is how large bills get passed. But at another level, it's just a reminder that these big structures don't just occur naturally. These big structures that determine how music is going to function in everyone's lives in ways we're not even thinking about yet. And it determines them for a really long time. And it determines because a group of powerful men and women sat together in a room, traded horses, and figured out how the industry was going to work. And like, let's not forget that this entire industry is built, it's built off other people's labor and their creativity and what they're doing in the studio. Absolutely. And, and that's, I think, the other thing that you can really look at, which is like the last time there's major re legislation like this, there's a little bit of legislation like this in like 95, I think, in the mid 90s that sets up internet radio stuff. Um, but really the last time there's major legislation like this is, is, is in the, uh, early seventies, uh, early to mid seventies. And like, so it's important to think about this is, this is it guys. Like this is, as far as I can tell, this is going to be the streaming legislation. There's not probably going to be more. This was a lot of work and really difficult to get through Congress. So. What is yeah, the, and 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 not to and I would just you know make the most obvious point is that streaming's not going away. If anything, it's you know it's become it has become like the main way in which like we listen to music and will continue to be just as even more ubiquitous than it already is. So then the question becomes like, what's not in this bill? Well, yeah, what didn't they do? What could maybe have happened? And I'm not even talking about like various kinds of insane or exciting or ridiculous proposals that various industry players like tried to push through on the way to having this bill 
become law because there's some like like I said, I really do hope to do an episode, like a if a really in the weeds episode, because I think that like what various players in the industry were trying to make happen tells you a lot about like what their interests are and like where their loyalties lie, basically. But yeah, that, yeah, to, yeah. To be clear to our listeners, like this is like top level of like how deep this thing goes, and just this the narrative of how this act even got together is like a whole. It's a book. It's basically a book. You know, it, it's so complex and so interesting and so ridiculous. And exactly what you said, it showcases like where these people are and how they think about these things. So that said, it's there's also a lot of stuff that was never even brought up, right? And that's stuff like what Kanye was talking about a little bit, right? Like, okay, things it does. As far as I can tell, it locks in compulsory licensing. So, compulsory licensing basically says that as soon as you've licensed to one streaming service, you license to all of them. For as which means that songwriters can't do what Taylor Swift did when she pulled her music from Spotify. And that's a big weapon that's taken away from people, right? If you're able to play hardball and pull I don't know, like um like we talked about and maybe for good ways or bad ways but like we talked about hypnosis hypnosis right. can't play yes, bo- yes. hardball that, that actually that, that that's yeah yeah i mean who knows we'll see that that's a good connection as for far sure. as i can tell they certainly have the money they certainly have the money to play hardball but we'll, we'll but technically of the because of this law they can't but that that is my understanding is that they can't play hardball because once it's licensed for one of these companies it's licensed for many of these companies that is my understanding because they're not you can do it with the recordings, but not necessarily with the the songwriting. It's my understanding. They're not there's all kinds of streaming stuff that they could have put into law, right? We know that the streaming companies are not there's all kinds of issues from outright fraud where companies have been accused allegedly of vastly boosting the number of streams of certain artists at the expense of others that's kind of the scandal ripping apart title or to the very minimum doing things in opaque and complicated ways this legislation could have fixed certain kinds of practices for streaming services it didn't and that probably means it's not going to happen right yeah, no, that's that's a great point. It's a great point. Yeah, and and I think that's also something that you you know we we talked about, you know, before the show is that, you know, another main takeaway is like what the act didn't do, and you have to and as you said, it it didn't like just not do something and then you know maybe we can like shoehorn another law in there that like this like took so much time, so much negotiation, years of work, and so. For all that it didn't do, it's probably going to stay that way for a while. Well, it's also that the fact is that this got buy-in from every major player, basically, in the music industry. And none of them raised, like, user-centric streaming, which I know people, some, you know, there's a debate about, but would basically be instead of paying by the stream, paying by the percentage of... uh each paying streamers streams if that makes any sense um making where like right right so user-centric versus like the pro rata system which basically like under this system each user's payment would be distributed based on what they streamed 
So if like half the users are are streaming, you know, Beyonce songs, and the other half are streaming like Rolling Stone songs, then these two artists are the only ones who earn money from that user in the user centric like way of streaming. And you know, and that's been a major debate, a major problem that like that's not the way things are right now. That like you know, you could play like the Walkman a million times, yeah, exactly. and like they will not like you know, but it will get put into a big pot of money and distributed out, uh, you know, at in this in this like in this prorata system, and so like Walkman won't see that money. And they didn't even address that in this in this bill. And like that's something that was like one of the major issues that, that that's been going on about the lack of payout when it comes to streaming issue, when it comes to streaming songs on Spotify and these other these other platforms over the last like five ten years. Yeah, and, and and not to say that like that's the, necessarily I've heard opinions both pro and against that as a potential fix, but just but like just that's wasn't an example of the kind of thing. Yeah, wasn't even addressed like. The way that masters function, you know, the, the entire, like, way that the streaming ecosystem functions wasn't addressed. And you know why, Saxon? Why is that? It's because it's working. It's because it's working for the people at the top. Yes. And that's where I think I'm going to blow the whistle on this episode because there's so many things that we can get into with this. And we will probably be talking about it more because... Starting in January 2021, the MLC will officially launch, and it will be a kind of watch this space situation. But yeah, just to to, to sort of wrap up, it's exactly what Sam says that, listen, uh, we built the factory for you to make the sausage, so therefore we get to dictate everything, and so do our friends who invested into this factory is basically what's going on in this situation. Yeah, basically. So... Real, real talk. This was the most complicated thing that Sax and I have ever dug into. So, if you have thoughts, dear listeners, like definitely hit us up on Twitter. I'm at Volume Control Ten. Saxon's at Saxonius. Let us know what you think about this stuff because this is, I feel like, the biggest underreported story about the music industry I've ever come across, and really only beginning to grapple with this uh, and its potential implications. And I would just like to say that if you're a part of the music journalism world, you do have the power to do the research and you do have the intelligence to weed through all of this and write about it. And if you get confused, call a lawyer, call somebody up. You're a journalist. You know how to use a phone. You could do this. And, you know, Sam and I basically decided to do this only about two weeks out, or not even like a week and a half. So that's why we're like, listen, if we got anything wrong here and you know more about it, we want to learn and we want to go ahead and correct ourselves. But, you know, like like I said, we could probably write a book about this. And, and yeah, the information's out there. And, like, it's important, you know. Like, and music journalism is not always about, uh, you know, 8.0s. So, uh, yeah, uh, if you if you if you – have an opinion about this or you want to dive in more we highly encourage it and then we'll bring you on the show you can tell us all the reasons why we're wrong or right or uh, it was way more complex than we described but you've been listening to another episode of money for nothing a podcast about music and capitalism if you didn't get that in the uh last hour uh music by bird language i'm saxon barrett i'm with sam backer as always and we'll see you in two weeks (laughs) 